Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. I'm going to read you a scripture out of Psalm 145. And you can feel free to holler at me if you hear anything that you agree with, anything that's true. It says, the Lord always keeps his promises. He says he's gracious in all that he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything that he does. He's filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all who love him, but he destroys the wicked. And I don't know about you, but I will praise the Lord. And may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever and ever. Amen. 
Lord Jesus, as we prepare to talk about what our response looks like, God, would we never forget that which we're responding to. God, you went before us. You taught us what love looks like. You taught us what pursuit looks like. You taught us what sacrifice looks like. So God, would you teach us in this moment? Here we are. You have a captive audience. We're listening. Would you speak? God, would you move? Would you transform hearts? We're not just here to get information. We want to be transformed into your image and your likeness, God, so that we can go out and we can be a people that praise you in a way that isn't dependent upon a situation. Because even on our bad days, you're still good. We love you, Lord, and we give you this time. We pray this in your name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Amen. If I haven't met you before, my name is Brian. I'm the creative pastor here uh, at Christ the King, Bellingham. And I'm excited to be with you this Labor Day. Uh, before we really get going, I want you to just take a moment and look at the people around you in your section. Just take a look at who's around you. That wasn't optional, I'm telling you. <laughs> I need you to know that these are the people that really love God. Because if you come to church on Labor Day weekend, that means that you really love God. So it's good to be in the presence of such a faithful people here. And we all know the saying that a picture is worth a thousand words. So I wanted to start with a picture. And so this is a picture of my beautiful wife, Kristen, and I. This is on our third anniversary. We decided to go snowshoeing up by Snoqualmie Pass. Adventurous, I know. And it was a gorgeous January day. The birds were chirping, the, the, the snow had freshly fallen, and the, 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 the weather was just right. It wasn't too hot, it wasn't too cold, it was just right. It was like Goldilocks. But the, fr the funny thing about this picture, and you can't really tell it by looking at it, but the funny thing about this picture is we were actually having an awful day. It was just terrible. We can laugh about it, we're over it now. It was absolutely the worst. It's crazy what a smile can hide. And when the picture was taken, we were actually doing this thing. We were giving one another the silent treatment. I don't know if you're familiar with the silent treatment. It's what children do when they are in a disagreement with other people. And there's still some speculation over what it was that started our dispute. Kristen is pretty convinced that it started because I was being indecisive about finding a parking spot for us, which to her credit is very believable because it's happened before and it'll probably happen again. That's who I am. She should have known that. She married me. But we'll never know exactly what was at the heart of this dispute, but I can tell you this for sure. Neither of us really wanted to be there to begin with. Because here's the thing, society tells you that when it's a beautiful day and the snow has fallen, it's not enough to just look at the snow. You actually, if you're going to be a fun couple, you have to go out and do something in the snow. And so we decided to strap these snowshoes to our feet and start trudging up this um, perfectly good mountain in silence because we weren't speaking to one another. And my experience trying to be a fun couple isn't as fun as it looks in the pictures. But at the pinnacle of our frustration, in our, in our silence, I pulled out my phone and we both instinctively just smiled and we took a picture like we were having the best day ever. <laughs> Happy anniversary to us, right? And can we be honest this weekend? Can we all just admit for one moment that our real lives don't always look like our profile pictures? Amen. Two of us, perfect. Can we just admit that sometimes our real lives don't look like our Instagram feeds? Sometimes the pictures that we hang in our homes aren't an accurate depiction of the moment that they were seeking to capture. Sometimes behind the scenes there was a little bit more tension, there was a little bit more messiness that we were navigating. 
And the weird thing is we all know it. We all know that social media is in no way an accurate depiction of real life, and yet we all still feel bad when our life doesn't live up to or look like the highlight reel of the people that we follow. But here's one of the things that I love about God. God never asks us to put on a fake smile. God never asks us to be anyone that we're not. And that doesn't mean that we don't feel pressure from time to time, even in church, to act like we have it together. But what that means is that if we're feeling pressure to put on a smile or act like we're in a good season when we're not, it's not coming from God. It's coming from either ourselves or the people around us. Because God never asks us to do anything other than bring our whole authentic self to the table. All he wants is our honesty. So if that means that you come to him in tears, that means he wants you to have tears, not a fake smile planted on your face. God doesn't just want us to enter into his presence in the perfect moments. He wants us to enter into his presence and praise him in every moment. And so what that means is that even if you're tired, God still wants your praise. Even if you're not really feeling it on a day, if you have doubts, God still wants your praise. Even if you're feeling broken, God still wants your praise. He says, come into my presence as you are, broken and all. Even if you're feeling underappreciated and overwhelmed, God still wants your praise. Even when you're having your doubts, God still wants your praise. He wants all of you, not just part of you and who you're projecting to be. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So it's not come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden and act like you've got your stuff together. He says, no, I've actually got something for you. So I'm here to give you rest and you can be your full self. And this week we're looking at a word um, in the Hebrew that is pronounced toda. So toda. And so when I first heard about this word, the essence of it, I was so excited about it. I was just like, this is the thing that people need to hear about. I was telling everybody at the time I was calling it tauda because it looks like tauda. And then I found this, uh, this commentary that said it was actually tuda. So for a while I was telling everybody about the good news of tuda and everyone that would listen, it's tuda. Guys, you got to know about tuda. And then I actually found out it was toda. And so it's been a roller coaster for me, guys. I got to be honest. But just for fun, would you look at your neighbor, would you tell him it's Toda? It's Toda. You guys don't even know what you just said to your neighbor. Here's what she said. This is the definition. It's an extension of the hand. Thanksgiving. A confession. A sacrifice of praise. Thanksgiving for things not yet received. A choir of worshipers. So you just told your neighbor about six things when you said Toda. It means a lot of different things. It means the extending of your hand in faith. It means that you're praising with confession. It means that you're sacrificing with your praise. It means that there's a choir of worshipers. It's a praise of thanksgiving for things that God has done. But the, the essence, the facet of Toda that I really want us to um, camp on this weekend is the part where we talk about thanking God for things not yet received. Where we extend out a hand in faith because we know that God's been faithful. We've thanked him for the things that he's done, but that actually shifts our perspective and we start looking forward and extrapolating what that means for us because God is faithful. So we're gonna praise him for the things that we haven't even seen yet. And so it's this forward-facing, future-oriented praise in faith. It's expectant. There's expectation with it. And it's a praise that stretches us. It literally, if you think about reaching out your hand, it stretches us to believe that even in our darkest moments and on our darkest days, that God is still good. God is still moving. And he has something in the future for us. Because our God is good even when life is hard. Amen? 
Amen. So this is the type of praise that happens when a bunch of people get together and raise a hallelujah that's louder than their unbelief. And what that means is that the unbelief doesn't go away. It's just that we're actually choosing to focus our attention on the voice of God to the point where it gets turned up in our internal dialogue to the place where it overpowers, overcomes, and overwhelms the voice of unbelief that's still there, but it's no longer able to be heard. It's the kind of praise that happens when a bunch of us that are taking selfies and looking at our lives and we see our deficiencies and our brokenness, we instead choose to take our phones off of selfie mode and actually point them towards heaven because that's the source where our help comes from. And I'll be honest, it's the type of praise that doesn't make a lot of sense to people who haven't had their lives radically transformed by Jesus. Because it's not a situational praise. It's not a praise that we give because life is good. It's a praise that we give because God is good. And friends, I need us to get this tauta. Oh, I just said it wrong. So uh, if I say it a few different ways, that's because, man, it has been a roller coaster. Toda. Not to be confused with tauta or tuda. Toda isn't a denial of the situation that you're in. It's the acknowledgement that God is bigger than your situation. Toda doesn't mean that you don't see the brokenness in the situation around you. It means that you choose to focus on the beauty that God's promised you. So it's not that we go around with blinders and we don't see the brokenness in the world. We don't see the brokenness that's in our own life. It's that when we go to praise when we lift out and when we extend our hand in faith, we don't choose to focus it on our situation. We actually look towards heaven. And one of the stories in scripture that I think best illustrates this is the story of Jonah. And for those of you who haven't heard this story, Jonah's an Old Testament prophet. And God asked him to go to the city of Nineveh and warn them about God's coming wrath. But Jonah doesn't actually want to go to Nineveh because the Ninevites had terrorized Jonah's people. They'd made their lives a living hell. The Ninevites were known for their brutality and their fear tactics. And I'd love to tell you some of the stuff they were into, but it was like Game of Thrones level stuff. And we're trying to keep it PG, at least while we're at church. So the long story short, Jonah resisted God's plan. He said, no, I'm not interested in this calling that you've placed on my life. He tries to run away. He gets in a boat heading in the opposite direction. And that ends up being a very bad move because he's thrown off the boat. He almost drowns. And then God sends a big fish that swallows him whole. And while he's in the fish, he starts praying. And his prayer, friends, we need to understand this. It starts with lament. His prayer starts with lament. It's all about inward focus. Here's my story. He says, God, you would not believe what just happened to me. He's, I got thrown off the boat. I was under the water for so long, I thought I was going to die. The waves just kept hitting me. It was this lament of his situation. But the longer that he talked to God, the more that his prayer started to turn to a prayer of confession. He says, you know what? I was underwater for a while, but it made me realize that I probably could have done some things differently. The more he talked to God, the more that he realized some of the, the places where he didn't get it right. And then it gets even weirder because out of the confession, as he sees that there's things that he's done, he starts to see that God has been faithful through it all. So this prayer that starts with lament, all of a sudden becomes confession. Then all of a sudden it becomes thankfulness for God's faithfulness through it all. And then at the end of it, all of a sudden Jonah's prayer shifts and it becomes a praise. It becomes this word toda. In the belly of a fish, this prayer that started with lament all of a sudden becomes a praise of expectant faith towards what God has in his future. 
And so I want us to read it together. It's Jonah chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. We got to understand again, this whole chapter 2 is written from the belly of a fish. So at the end of his prayer, this is what Jonah says. He says, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, he's in the belly of the fish, he's in the middle of his mess, he's in the center of the storm. He says, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, Toda, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. He's saying, I'm finally ready. I had a moment of clarity. And as I was praising you with expectant hands, I was reminded of the goodness of your calling on my life. And I'm ready to do the thing that I was created to do. And so when the Lord heard this, it says in verse 10 that the Lord commanded the fish and the fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. What a great verse. There's not many verses in the scriptures that say vomit in it, is there? And I like to speculate about how far the fish was from the dry land. Not because it really matters, but I just like the visual of Jonah getting shot out of his mouth and just like really having a distance before he crashes on the beach. But I digress. (laughs) What strikes me about this moment is that rather than praying to God for liberation, he actually looks to God and praises him for his salvation. And so instead of asking God for freedom from the situation that he's in, he actually begins to shift his focus and he sees the freedom that he's already found. And I'd always seen the prayer in this scripture. I love that this word toda shifted um, my perspective on this because I'd always seen the prayer, but I'd never seen the praise. I'd always seen the prayer and the prayer made sense to me. I think anybody who was in that situation, if he got swallowed by a big fish, you would start praying to God. You say, God, I'm in a fish. God, it's dark in here and I do not know what to do. So the prayer makes sense to me. But the praise was the thing that stretched my heart and realized that, okay, the longer that I talk to God, it shifts from lament. All of a sudden it becomes confession because the longer I talk to him, the more I realize that there's, there's some shortcomings that I have to own up for. And the longer that I talk about my confessions, the more I see God's faithfulness. And pretty soon I'm beginning to be thankful and that thankfulness actually drives me to praise God even if I'm in the middle of the mess. It's this shift that happens when we actually focus our attention on the source And I love this. It's not that Jonah didn't see the brokenness of the situation that he was in. It's just that he chose to focus on the beauty that God had promised him instead. I think there's something for us to learn here. I think there's power in praising God in the middle of the storm. I think there's power in shifting the focus off of ourselves and onto God. I think there's power when we raise a hallelujah in the presence of our enemies because it reminds us who goes before us and who stands beside us. I think there's power in it, friends. There's this praise, there's this toda, there's this extending of a hand in faith that can actually shift our perspective on the situation that we're in. There's this praise that can change our hearts. There's this praise that can remind us of our purpose. And even when we're in the middle of our mess, when we're in the eye of the storm, we can call out to the Lord in faith and know that he will hear us because according to Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And Jonah was crushed in spirit. He was nearly drowned. He was beaten down. He was bruised and he was ashamed, but he wasn't defeated because God is faithful and God wasn't done with him. 
And I think some of us need to know whatever situation that we're in, if we can shift our prayers, if we can begin to see the faithfulness of God through it all and start to be thankful and reach out an extended hand of faith, even if our heart isn't quite ready, if we can lead with our hand and expect God and allow it to stretch us, we'll see that God is faithful. He has been faithful. He is being faithful and he will be faithful. And God isn't done with your story yet. But in a series about praise, I think it's worth mentioning this one thing. It's not always easy. And you're thinking, yeah, that's a pretty simple thing to express. But I think it's important. It's not always easy. It's not easy to praise God when you've prayed the same prayer over and over and over and over again, and you still haven't gotten your miracle. It's not easy to praise God. It's not easy to throw up a hand in praise. It's not easy to praise God when the storm is still raging and your house is still shaking and you literally don't know if it's going to be standing in the morning. It's not easy to lift out a hand in praise and say, thanks be to God for he is faithful. It's not easy to praise God while you're still in a season of waiting. It's not easy. It's not natural, but it's the thing that God continues to call us to do. He says, trust in me. Even when it seems like everything around you is falling apart, trust in me, trust in my promises. It's a theme throughout the scripture. God is looking for a people of faith. God is looking for a people willing to trust in his promises, even when their situation doesn't seem particularly praiseworthy. And the scriptures say that God is trustworthy. I think this is in your uh, outlines. It's Psalm 9, verse 10. It says, those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. So it says right in the scripture that God is trustworthy. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. But here's the thing. Even though it says it in scripture, we still have a decision to make. We get to decide whether or not we live like it's true. Just because it's true doesn't mean that we live like it's true. And so there's always this beautiful invitation in front of us to trust. There's always this beautiful invitation to rest in his promises in the middle of our storm. And in a lot of ways, I think it's like this chair. Because you can look at the chair. You can study it from all sides. You could... If you bought it online, you can go, you could read some Google reviews about it. You could check out the pictures. You could see how sturdy it is. You can, you can even put a little bit of your weight on it and see how it responds, see if it feels sturdy. You can even ask a friend if, if a friend has a similar chair, if they've sat in it before, they can say, yeah, this, this is a good chair. It'll hold your weight. But friends, the only way that we can know for sure, the only way if we can firsthand have a witness to the strength of the chair isn't by asking other people's stories. It's not by reading Google reviews. It's not by looking at it from every side. It's not by picking it up and seeing what's on the underside. The only way that we can know without a shadow of a doubt that it can hold our weight is if we sit in it. And the only way that we can know that God's promises are true is if we actually allow them to be the thing that sustains us through the storm. The only way that we can for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, know that God's promises are true, that they can hold the weight of our situation as if we allow in the midst of our situation those things to be the things that drive us forward. If we cling to those promises, if we trust in those promises when our legs become weary, the only way that we can know is if we trust. And it's always a risk. 
There's always a risk involved. But God only invites us into risk because he knows that it's the thing that's best for us. Do we know that? Do we know that God only invites us to risk because when we risk, he can show his faithfulness? When we risk, when we put ourselves in a situation that if God doesn't show up, we're going to look like fools. That's an opportunity that God has to show that he is trustworthy and true. That his promises are good. That he can actually allow our weight to rest. Our weary legs. And it might stretch us, but it'll make us strong. It might scare us, but it'll give us stories about the faithfulness of God. But unless we're willing to sit in the chair, if we're allowed to actually believe in God's promises, we'll never know whether they can hold us. Every time a situation comes that feels hopeless, God is inviting us to shift our focus from the situation to the Savior. He says, lift your eyes towards heaven. And no matter how many times you do it, there's always going to be this risk. There's always going to be a need for bravery. And a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were watching this TV show. Uh, I'd rather not tell you because I'd lose credibility with my guy friends. <laughs> okay, fine. It was Bachelor in Paradise. You got it out of me. I hope you feel good about yourself. But there's this girl in the show, and she's, she's wrestling with whether or not she wants to share a part of her story with the group. And she's, she's wrestling with whether or not like, that's going to be the best thing to do. She's worried that if she shares this piece of herself that people aren't going to treat her the same. She's worried that if she is honest about her whole self that people are potentially going to judge her and they're going to look at her differently than they did before. And anyone who's ever been to a small group knows exactly what this feels like. It's like, am I going to bring my whole self to the table or am I just going to um, conform to the, the, the box that people want to put me in? Am I going to actually bring my real self and trust people? But this girl had a friend and her friend was encouraging her to open up, to, to be brave, she said. She said, be brave, be brave, share your story. Trust the chair, allow it to be the thing that actually drives us forward. But she was scared. She said, I can't be brave, I'm scared which I can relate to. I've been in seasons where it's just like, I can't be brave, I'm scared. But then her friend told her something that stuck in my heart ever since. And it's simple, but she said, you can be scared, but be brave. You can be scared, but be brave. Because here's the thing, oftentimes, I don't know about you, but for me, if I'm feeling fearful, if I have fear that creeps into my heart, if I have something that I'm scared of, I think that I'm not brave. I think that I can't be brave if I'm feeling scared. But that's not how it works. Bravery isn't the absence of fear. Fear is actually the thing we overcome to become brave. So without fear, there can actually be no bravery. Because if we're walking into a situation where there's no risk and there's no fear, that's not bravery. That's just walking. To be brave, you need fear to overcome. You need to have a trust in something that allows you to keep taking those steps, step after step, and to like, allow that thing to be the thing that doesn't define you, but our bravery becomes the thing that empowers us forward. Fear isn't a signal of that you're not brave. It's actually an invitation to be brave. I think we confuse these things. It's not a signal that you're not brave. It's an opportunity to be brave. So friends, you can be scared, but be brave. You can have your doubts, but be brave. Oftentimes, I feel like when it comes to praise, when it comes to lifting a hand and extending a faithful praise to God, I feel like we say, there's too much uncertainty in my life. I can't praise God right now. 
I've got too many insecurities. I've got too many doubts. But the invitation for us in this is that you can have your doubts, but have faith. You can have your insecurities, but be brave. You can have uncertainty. You can have brokenness. You can have all those things. You can, you can actually navigate and figure out what that means in your life. But for the love of God, be brave. For the love of God, extend a hand of praise, even when you're not sure how it's going to end because you've read the end of the scriptures and you know that our God wins. Even if you're scared, that doesn't mean that you're not brave. It's an invitation to be brave. So for the love of God, be brave. Our scripture says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So whatever it is that's a barrier for you, lifting your hand, know that the Lord God is before you. He's behind you. He's all around you. And as you take your steps towards the purpose that God created you for, there's an invitation in each one of those steps to risk. And through that risk, God can show you his faithfulness and it'll propel you forward towards your purpose. So we lift a hand because the spirit of the Lord is here. We let our hand be an extension of our faith. Toda. Toda. Scripture tells us in Philippians 1 that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And friends, in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to respond by praising God for what he's done, for what he's doing and for what he's gonna do. We look back, we see that God's been faithful, we look forward and we see that there's purpose for us. And we see that in, in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of all the things that give us fear and anxiety, we can still trust in his promises and be brave. We can extend a hand of faith. Maybe we can take our phones, take them off selfie mode so that we stop just looking at our brokenness and actually point it up towards heaven so that we can see his perfection. But I need you to know that we're not raising our hands because our situation is perfect. We're not raising our hands because our lives look like a Pinterest board. We're not raising our hands because God has given us everything that we want. No, that's not what the scripture says. It says that it'll give you everything that you need. It's because we know that God has been faithful, that he is close to all who call on him, that he is gracious in all that he does. And so we lift our hands towards those promises. We believe in the promises of God. We believe that there's power in the name of Jesus. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is here in this place transforming our hearts. So I'm going to invite the band to come out. And we're going to raise a hallelujah. We're going to fill this place with praise. We're going to lift our voices and extend our hands. Of course, if God tells you to do something different, we got all sorts of different options. If God tells you to Barak, Barak. If God tells you to just Zamar and enjoy the music, then Zamar. If he tells you to lift both hands... With well, yada, then yada. But for the love of God, be brave. Reach out that hand and extend it towards God. But before we close, before we respond, I need us to know what we're responding to. We're responding to this simple truth, friends. There is no future version of yourself that God loves any more than he loves you right now in this moment as you sit in your chair. There's nothing that you can accomplish that would make God love you any more than he loves you right now. And because of that, we're as powerful right now in this moment as we've ever been because God's work can flow through us. And when we are weak, God is strong. We extend a hand. We extend toda worship to our God. 
because it's not extending towards the love of God. We start with the love of God, and the extension is the celebration of that love. And we respond, we give God worship, because all the things that we're trying so desperately to earn have already been given to us. The love of God, the empowerment of the Spirit, is already with us in this place. And so I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures as we close. And these are some of God's promises to you. It's not an exhaustive list because we don't have two hours. But here's a good start. Here's what we're responding to. This is what your God has promised you. God says he's for you, not against you. God says he'll fight for you. You need only to be still. God says he'll give strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak. God says that he'll meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory. God says that though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, his unfailing love for you will not be shaken and his covenant of peace removed. He says that you are holy and blameless before him. He says that you are loved by God. He says that you've been saved by grace through faith. He says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means that we are forgiven, we are free, we are known, we are loved, we are empowered, we are cherished, we have everything that we need to be a powerful force of good in this world. And so those are the promises of God that we rest on. And would you stand with me as we pray, and then we're going to respond to God, and we're going to give him our total praise. Lord Jesus, I extend a hand of faith. I know you've been faithful in my past, and I know you're going to be faithful in my future. God, we know the good plans that you have for us. We know that you are faithful. We know that you, we don't have to worry about whether or not you loved us. You already proved it on the cross, God. You extended a hand towards us, and so we now extend a hand back towards you in faith because we know that you're good. God, I pray for expectancy. I pray for a sacrifice of praise, God. Would we, if we're at a precipice, would we take that step forward into your love, God? Would we lean back into your trust? Would we sit on the promises? Would we cling to them no matter what situation we're in? God, we love you. We love you. We love you. We recenter on you in this moment, and we give you our praise, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's extend a hand and praise God together. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.